Welcome to Coming Out of the Kitchen, a podcast for women about women's issues. I've had a lot of equipment issues, so not only have I fallen behind on interviews, I had to purchase new equipment. In this podcast, I failed to pre-check my new equipment, so I tried to edit volumes, etc. What I'm saying is, this podcast may sound a little rough. Tina, however, is an awesome woman, and I truly feel blessed that she took precious time out of her day to sit with me and share her story with us. When I met Tina, her smile, so contagious, is like LED headlights on high beam. Her energy, as loud as her personality, and I am blessed to have her in my world as I've said before. And remember, my equipment failures and editing challenges are in no way a reflection on Anchor. So when you're ready to start your podcasting endeavors, check out www.anchor.fm. It's free. It shares your podcast on so many other platforms, and it's free. Now let's listen to Tina's path to womanhood. Okay. Okay. Little history. All right. Well, um, my mother was in the military. Um, so um, I'll skip ahead a little bit. But so she was in the Air Force. Oh, okay. And at her retirement ceremony, she said, as she was talking about all her children, she said, yes. And the one that is the problem child. So when my mother tried to join the army, she found out that she was pregnant with me. So Mm -hmm. she couldn't join, right? So she had to take some time away, have me. And then um, my grandmother watched me for, I think, like six months while she went through basic training and all of the uh, classes. What? Yeah. What year were you born? 1985. Because I tried to join join the Air Force too, but they wouldn't let me because I had a child. Yeah. And I would have to give up custody of the child. Yeah, so I think she did something like uh, you do a, a... guardian guardianship and that just gives someone else the right to basically take care of your child while you're in basic training and you know all of the classes that you have to take when you go to your first duty mm-hmm. station so she did that and then she came and got me and uh we were in minot north dakota for oh, a little yeah. while cold. uh hella cold <laughs> like the my very first memory i think i was like five or six and i just remember waking up out of bed and being in this strange house so like some people they say they can remember when they were born and everything my brother is like that he remembers when he was birthed he remembers every moment of his life i only remember from the age of six so my mother was married to my biological father but he was abusive did drugs cheated on her with was he in the service no he no 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 yeah, but they knew each other growing up, I guess, or like when so they So he were. followed her. Mm-hmm. Sort of. So like they grew up in Florida together because I was born in Miami, and then they moved to Atlanta, and then she tried, she left him and tried to join the military, found out she was pregnant with me. And I'd like to talk to her, like, why did you, why did you decide to join, do you know why she decided? She wanted she a, like that was a path out? She felt like it was the best way out for her. Um, with a kid, all the benefits that come with being in the military. And so that was her better option for herself. So, um, so yeah, so we lived in Minot, North Dakota. 
Um, I can't tell you how many years, probably like four or five. Usually for military, it's like four and a half years, and then you move on to your next duty station. Mm -hmm. So while we were in North Dakota, she met my dad. Um, People would say he's my stepdad, but he's my dad. Mm -hmm. And um, they got married. I think they dated for like two years. They got married and had my brother. He was military? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So they both were in the Air Force. They both were cops in the military. And then... Uh, Are they called MPs? Yep. Yep. Okay. So when they got together, I thought he was a real cool dude or whatever the case may be. Then they got married without me. So I think that's when trouble for me started um, because they got married the day after my birthday. So I kind of felt left out of the festivities. I was just turning six. And uh, so they left me at a friend's house. They got married, came back, and got me the next evening. So for me, I think that's when things started for me to, like, go downhill. A year later, they had my brother. Um, So we're almost seven years apart. And then we got stationed in uh, Japan, Minot. Or not Minot, Masao, Japan. So you got to go mm-hmm. to Japan. Oh yeah, it was really dope. Like honestly, like I'm just saying. to see different culture, experience different like outside of America, and just being like engulfed in that was really cool. And I can remember we'd go out off base on the weekends and go to like the little like weekend things that they would have, yeah. where they would have like um, like so it's like over here in Springfield they have the farmers the market oh. and stuff. So it's kind of like that where you have like an alley of all kinds of vendors, food, clothes, toys, authentic Japanese like things. Festival. Yeah, yeah, every weekend. Oh and so um, we would do that. Like we would travel and just kind of get to know the area that we were in, which I thought was really cool. So um, did you go to school in Japan? I went to the school on the military on the base, base. Mm-hmm. but like with the school on the base, we would do field trips off base. And so I remember one that we went to was a ski trip and we got to stay at the ski lodge. We got to stay in there like bunk beds, but it was like just like a small pod uh-huh. and it was the ski. It was just like totally cool. My mom was like really into the church very heavy into the church oh, and church? it was non-denominational okay you know we did trips with them and uh then my mom had my brother dj and so wait a minute that's the second brother yeah this okay. is my second brother but then like shortly after he died of sids <gasps> so like i think he was like a month and a half oh, old and passed away so that another tragedy for me very hard because i was Again, I was the only kid for six years. I didn't understand, like, so how sharing. how were you when DJ was born? I was eight, I believe. So how did it affect your mom, or do you know? My, okay, so I remember the night distinctly. I had a, like, a um, on base they have kind of like a youth center for kids, and you go and you hang out, and they've got games and stuff. And this particular night there was a dance, so I was able to go to the dance, hang out with my friends, have a good time. Came back. Went into his room, gave him a kiss, went in my room. And my mom came back from choir rehearsal and she went in to check on him. And it had it could have not been more than 30 minutes from the time I got home and saw him to the time oh. she came home. 
And she went in there and all I heard was screaming Screaming. and chaos and them trying to resuscitate him and her asking my dad to call the police. I mean, called, you know, 911 and having 911 come in. And our apartment, there's a door that blocks off the living quarters from the living room, kitchen, dining room area. So they closed that door while the EMTs were trying to resuscitate him. And they took him and my mom, my dad, and my mom's best friend who lived on the top floor came down and took us to the hospital and of course he passed away and i can remember my mom fainting in the you know hospital them having to you know use smelling salts and stuff and um that hit us very hard like all of us my mom was very depressed i um, went into depression i didn't eat i didn't talk like i i literally stopped talking for a week and I remember my aunt being like, you have to eat, you have to da-da-da. So my first meal after that time that he passed away was a Pop-Tart because they were like, you have to eat something. And um, that's when I started picking up poetry because they were oh. like, you have to find a way to express yourself. You can't just stop eating. You can't just stop talking, but you have to find a way to express yourself. So I just started writing and finding books. and But I blamed myself a lot because I didn't, hard to admit but I didn't like him and I think that just was because I was the only child for so long mm-hmm. and now you guys are married and having all these yeah. babies and I just felt yeah. like there was You're no getting... attention yeah I felt like I was getting pushed back yeah. so for a long time I felt like maybe my hate for him was the reason why he passed away and then um, my mom had her tubes tied after she had him so she felt like oh. God was blaming her or punishing her for getting her tubes tied because she made a choice. Right. And then he passed away. So she got her tubes untied. And shortly after she got her tubes untied. You can do that? Mm-hmm. She uh, had my brother Traylon. And so I was all about, everybody is all about Traylon. Traylon was like, he was born right after. Superstar. Oh, yeah. So then you have Traylon. During this time... I struggled a lot in school. I struggled with my identity. I struggled with my looks. I struggled, you know, with making friends. I was kind of like, even though I was talkative and they would call me the class clown, I just didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. A lot of times the class clown is is being the clown just to deflect. Yes. And that's literally what I was doing. And, um... I mean, I did pretty good in school. Um, I was in sports. Basketball was the main sport. You know, I had the dad that was like, you're going to be in the WNBA and blah, blah, blah. And always feeling that pressure to be, you know what I mean? Something more than I felt that I could be or something that I didn't want to do. Like basketball was fun for me. I didn't want to make it a professional thing. I just... It's a sport. I've been in this sport love since it. I was like six. I like, you know basketball. what I mean? So um, so my mom had Traylon, and then my parents uh, got their orders, and then we got stationed in Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> they got stationed at Bellevue, Nebraska. We moved from Bellevue to Papillion, Nebraska. Like, very suburban, in the middle of nowhere, dealt with racism you know in in school and stuff like that which was very interesting but I also started to like boys once we came back to the states so it was very interesting because my parents had um, when we moved back my mom was pregnant with my sister so it was like okay well you have all these kids and I'm you know the problem child and so I started to look at boys for that attention 
Like, did you really feel like he was thrown? I, I mean, looking, I don't think for looking me back, looking back, I felt like this. I felt like I lied a lot. I was, a, and I was a horrible liar. It wasn't like I was good. You could ask me what color the sun was, and I was like blue. Purple. Yeah. <laughs> Right, but that's but when we moved back to the states was when I started to like gravitate towards boys. Out in Nebraska. Oh yeah, like kissing boys on the on the playground and you know trying to find a boyfriend and it was always like seeking love and it wasn't like I wasn't getting love from home, but I felt like I was still pushed behind and if like my parents weren't available, they were available for my siblings so. I just was kind of like, well, you're the oldest, so you know what to do. You know the rules, you you know. Yeah. So I always felt kind of pushed to the side. Yeah. And uh, so we lived in Nebraska for, I think, five years. And a lot of that, I, I bad choices. A lot of bad choices happened in Nebraska. A lot of them. Um, like running away, having people in the house when they How weren't supposed to. I was between the ages of 11 and 15, 16. Yeah. I started track when we got to Nebraska. Like, my parents were like, maybe you need to get more sports. Maybe yeah. you need yeah. to be more involved. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I know as parents, you think that you're doing the best. And sometimes there's something else. And for my dad, he thought, well, maybe she's looking for her biological father and trying to find you know, that love, well, but yeah. it wasn't even, I didn't give two shits about that guy. Like, yeah, but I mean, you know, I could see where, he could, I mean, looking back now after mm-hmm. everything we've been through mm-hmm. growing up, right. you can kind of see where he's like, I'm trying to. Right. I think, yeah, maybe it was for him, like, she's acting out because she, she misses his per. but it was never that. It was never that, but I didn't know how to express that verbally. Yeah, yeah. I would write a lot. Yeah. And my mom found out a lot of stuff like Nebraska. I got, um, I was raped twice in Nebraska. Um, one time when I ran away by an older, older man, I think he was like in his thirties and I was 16, 15. So it was just a lot that happened that I didn't tell my parents. I didn't because I felt like, well, I did this to myself. Kind of like how parents tell you, well, you made this choice, yeah. so you have to accept the yeah. consequences. So yeah. that's how I felt. I mean, even my mom, like, sent me to my grandmother in Boston to try to, like, put me on the right track one summer. And I was just like, this is, no, this is not the business. Like, <laughs> I don't like this woman. I don't want to be here. But I also lost my virginity during that time, too. So it just created a lot of, I won't say confusion, but frustration with my parents and her, my parents and me. Um, and once I came back from Boston that summer, I remember I got put on probation because I ran away. And I think it was like my third time running away. And they were like, okay, we're ankle bracelet. You go to school. Are oh, you yeah. serious? Well, so the, the whole you, thing. Are still in the military? This yeah, time? we're still in the military. So what happened around that was I had run away, I think, once before this time. And... I had a day off of school. I invited a bunch of friends over to the house, trashed the house. They stole some stuff from my parents or whatever the case may be. And I took my mom's van and went on a joyride. Well, this joyride ended up crashing our family vehicle. I stayed gone, came back, 
And, you know, of course, like my dad's um, away at school, getting schooling for his job. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was that was very interesting time. And then dust your little hiney for any of this stuff? Uh, My mom did. Oh, she tore me a good, good new one. But for me, it was like. You know, like when you're getting punished in the moment, you're kind of like, this fucking sucks. I'd rather die, you know, and then it's over and you get bored again. Okay. Yeah. And I felt like I was, that's what I was doing. I was just seeking the next adventure, seeking to be like wanted. That's why I was always like in boys' faces. I was trying to be in the in crowd, but I wasn't cool enough to be in the in crowd. And so when I got put on probation with an anklet, I was like, okay, I need to get myself together. Like, at this time, I was in ninth grade. Yeah, yeah. My grandmother sending me books about the body of hell and all this stuff, like Christian stuff. And I'm like, okay, I have to get my life together. I need Jesus in my life. I need to focus on school. I need to be in sports. Like, I need to just, I need to get on the right track. So I got off of probation early for good behavior. But at this time as well, I got a job, my first job. And so I was doing really good. I, I started getting into a flow. Well, then my parents dropped the ball, bomb on me. We're going oh. to Hawaii. We're getting stationed in Hawaii. Oh. So mind you, I'm I'm doing good in school. I've got friends. Oh. You know, I'm But Hawaii. It, for me, I would have rather stayed. No I would have rather stayed in Nebraska with my friends. Knowing that I was doing good and I just am getting a firm footing, yeah, than to be ripped away and then have to make new friends, be the new kid in school, the whole nine yards. So um, my mom, I talked to one of my best friends and my mom, and I talked to her mom, and I was like, if if I could just stay with you guys, I could just finish school here, and you know, I'll, I'll do really good. And my mom was like, no, no, you're my kid, and you're gonna go with me, and that's. So a lot of what happened in Hawaii was a lot of built up resentment. So we got to Hawaii. Uh oh. And shit hit the fan. A lot of shit hit the fan. Like I started dating military guys. I was like, stay. How old are you? Uh, At that time, I was sixteen. Because you've got the Air Force base, you've got the Army base, and then like on the farther side of Oahu, you've got the Marines. No Navy? Navy was there. I just don't remember where they were. Yeah. So I, anybody that would look at me, I was, I was down for. I love you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and military guys, when they've got a young girl like that, they don't care. Oh yeah. I love you too. Or this and the third, I'm sneaking out from school or sneaking out on the weekend saying I'm going to hang out with my friend and I'm going to hang out with this. How did you not end up having well, so I children is what I, was I did. Say, not I ended up I ended children. up getting pregnant at seventeen by a Navy guy who was not involved in our kid's life. Um, come to find out, he was I don't think he was married, but like he had someone else on like what so Hawaii calls the states the bigger portion the mainland island. So he had gotten somebody pregnant over there. My parents wanted to put him in jail. For the, uh-huh. And just a lot of, just a lot, a lot of things. Um, what happened to him? Uh, at Like now? He's married with other kids. He didn't get jail time? No. My, I, I felt like, 
if, if I remember correctly, I begged my mom just to let it go. But also, like, once I got pregnant, um, I didn't tell my mom, but I remember she was in Louisiana for school again. Mom was? Uh-huh. And you're in Hawaii? Yeah. So, like, with the military, you have to... Yeah. So, in the military, you have to go to school. Mm-hmm. And you can't just do it online. At that time, it wasn't online. You had to, like, go to... Go to yeah. So, she was, I think, in Louisiana or Alabama. And I remember she called and she was like, hey. And I was like, hey, when you get back, I have to talk to you, you know. And she was like, you're pregnant. And I was like, no, I just, you know, I got other stuff that I want to talk to you about. And I just want to sit face down. You're pregnant. I was like, no. And uh, I remember she was like, Christina, just tell me. And I told her. And she was like, does your dad know? And I was like, no. So I told my godfather at that time. And he, you know, he was kind of like the buffer. I need to tell you that I'm pregnant. he was like. All right. So, you know, walk me through it. And it was very easy to tell him. And I felt like it. I wasn't a horrible person for this happening, um, that I was still... Really? Yeah, like he didn't make me feel... How old were you? I was 17 when I found out I was pregnant. It was my senior year of high school. Like designed my, my homecoming dress and all that and couldn't, couldn't even... Nothing. Mm-mm. You know, I couldn't enjoy my last year of high school. Um, so when you were in school... What would have been your favorite subject? English, just because I was a writer. I hated math. I failed math when I got there. Oh, math is... I just, I had to do the pre-algebra. No. And then algebra my junior and senior year, you know, amongst ninth and 10th and graders. And they've got geometry and Oh, yeah, well, and... Those I'll... kids are like, and I'm like... Yeah, yeah, those are my siblings, yeah. Put me back in the one plus two. Yep, but like in Hawaii, so even though I had an like abundance of credits, a lot of them didn't transfer to Hawaii. So I had to take a lot of history classes over again, like, I live here, I don't need to know this shit. For what? Like, I, yeah, looking I had back, opinions. do you think you maybe should have, would have been, looking back, would any of those history, Hawaiian history classes helped you in any way? Mm-mm. Looking back. No. No, I think looking back on my life, what would have helped me is not worrying about what other people thought about me and also being more open to sharing a lot more with my mother. I think that if I would have done that, I think I could have saved myself a lot of trouble and questions growing up i think that would have helped well i think she probably had a lot on her plate yeah i mean and me and her had a discussion this year about just a lot of stuff that i had questions about so like when i found out i was pregnant i told my dad you know he's real silent and then uh like a week went by that he didn't talk to me and i remember they came in my room and my mom sat down my dad sat down and my dad proceeded to tell me you're going to be a black statistic you're going to be nothing but a whore you're going to be living on the system. Your stepdad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, you know... Um, Why would he do that? I don't know. Because, I mean, you guys are Army or uh, Air Force, uh-huh. military. Why would he say that when you... I, t- I can't explain it to you to this day. Perhaps he did it as a shock treatment. I don't know if, if that is... I don't know. I wrote him a letter... Like this year saying, hey, like a lot of like, I appreciate that you're in my life and that you raised me. But a lot of the tactics that you used is what pushed me away. Um, So, yeah. So 
Because um, I think we talked about the letter that you wrote him, didn't mm-hmm. we? You and I? Yeah. So this year, my son, my oldest son, graduated high school. And my aunt, which is like, she's basically my mom's best friend that we I just call her my aunt. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, hey, like your mom, she's growing. Like, have you met the new mom, you know, new Tony? And I was just like, what do you mean? She's like, she's been doing a lot of self-healing and getting counseling and blah, 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 you know. And I was like, no, you know, there's a lot of things that I feel that I need to talk to her about, but I just haven't. She was like, your mom's different. You know, because growing up, my mom was very quiet, very reserved. My mom didn't cuss. The first cuss word she ever said, I cannot say. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Was it the F bomb? It was. Don't oh, say GD. Oh, no. It was, it was a word that right now would incite racism amongst others, but amongst the black community it yeah, you was gotta say it. Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> so she what? Come on, she, say it. she said the n-word and she's like that's not even a bad word and we're like mom that is a really bad word like that was her first cuss word and i was 17 years old it was hilarious to us that she said it but it was like that's the type of mom that she was okay so i'm gonna interject part of my life story here because saying the n-word was you mm-hmm. do not mm-hmm. say the N word. That's totally disrespectful. Right. But how do you how do you relate it to a cuss word? Because even in the people of color, yeah, bad word. But we can say it amongst each other. Yeah. I don't feel. Word. I yeah. Like it's still a cuss word. Like if my kids said it, I'd be like, "You watch your mouth." Like it's just a derogatory word. And in the black community, it doesn't seem like it is because it's just kind of like when people say, hey, what's up? What's up? Yeah, it's like that. But to me, the way that we were raised, that was it was a bad word. Like you just saying, what's up, slut? Yeah. Or, hey, bitch. What's up, bitch? Yeah. Yeah, Like, so, you know, yeah. So, but as far as like. So I had a lot of questions for her this year when my aunt was like, she's a different person. She's da da da. So when they came down for, you know, um, my son's graduation, I pulled her to the side and I was like, hey, like, can I ask you some questions? Like my, in my mind growing up, there's a lot of things that I just didn't understand. And I feel like we're close, but I don't feel like we're close enough because I'm still holding on to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so I asked her, about a time that I thought my dad had abused her. And I remember it so clearly. Her, Your father. Mm-hmm, screaming, crying, all this stuff. She's like, he's never once hit me. He's never, you know, my my dad. Not my biological father, but my dad. Oh, okay. And oh, she was like, oh, no, it was just an argument and da-da-da-da. And I'm like, but I remember these sounds, these words, you know, these noises and um i also asked her about like hey when you guys came into my bedroom and he was saying calling me a whore and a slut and that i'd be a black statistic like why when you were pregnant Mm -hmm. i said yeah i said why didn't you say anything and she said you were a child and that was my husband she's like but you have to also understand that if i would have said something then he would have gotten on to me and he was not a nice person and even to this day, Your like, dad, dad? yeah, like, yeah, my, my mom's husband, like if she ever says something that he doesn't agree with or goes against him, 
it's almost like she gets reprimanded and then cut down for sure. Step back. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that I talked to her about was just a, trying to resolve a lot of my questions that have held me She's back. still with him? They are... Oh, they're going through the divorce mm-hmm. that he's not accepting. Correct. 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 Okay. Because we talked about that. Yeah. So um, I knew that I needed to get a lot of stuff off my chest. And I wanted to talk to him, but I also knew he was not going to be receptive. And the best way for me to verbalize what I needed to verbalize so that I can move on and heal myself as an adult was to write a letter because why that's writing is where i can therapeutic exactly so if we go back to when my brother died for me my therapy has always been to write it out always i can cry i can get it out no one can no yeah no one can tell me that i'm wrong nobody can can dictate how i'm feeling because this is what i'm feeling and it is written it's like that and, you know, or always feeling like I was pushed back. Why why didn't you come to my games, my basketball games? Like, did you not think that I didn't want you there? Even though my mom was there, you weren't there. And that meant more to me, you being there than just her. Like, a lot of stuff. And I also told, you know, said, I'm very thank- thankful that you guys watch Malachi for me because... After Malachi, I had, is that your first is, that's my first son. So after I had him at, cool at 18, I was going to join the military. And I started the process, but because of everything that I did, you know, as a teenager and getting probation, even though my file was sealed, military does like an in-depth scrub. So, um, so yeah, so I started the process. I was, you know, I feel like maybe like a few weeks or months away from joining and I remember at this time I had had Malachi, I had a job at Taco Bell, like whole nine yards. My, I had a day off, cleaned up the house, cleaned up my bedroom, organized, and I had candles burning, you know, just kind of set in the mood. Mm-hmm. My dad knocked on the door and I opened it and he's like, if you want to burn motherfucking candles in my motherfucking house, it's not happening. You need to get the fuck out if that's what you're going to do. And it was just like, I felt like, it was always something like if I did the dishes, he'd be like, huh, you think you're doing something because you're doing fucking dishes? You. Yeah. Or, um, oh, you cooked? Mm. Like, what are you trying to prove? Like, just little little digs at right. me. Right. potatoes again. Right. Or whatever. You know, you know? What I mean? yeah. You downgrade anything. Exactly. No, so I had had enough and I left. I, I was like, they have him. I gave them guardianship of my okay. son. Mm-hmm. Because you have to give guardianship over in order Two. to join the military. Because you're going to be away for basic training, yeah. the whole yeah. nine yards. So you have to be able to say. So you did that. Yeah. So I ended up leaving because of that conversation. I just felt like you're always picking on me. You always have something to say. Like, I really am trying to get my life together. And you just, you don't give a shit. So um, I think like the next like two or three days I planned on leaving and I left. I left Malachi, I left Hawaii, I, I cashed in all everything that I had, jewelry, checks, cash, bought a plane ticket and flew to California and uh, left my son. My mom tried to call me a bunch of times. I didn't answer the phone. I was just like, I'm 18. Actually, I was 19 at the time. Oh and I was like, I'm Lord. 19, and, you know, obviously they don't want me there, so fuck it. I'm just going to do what I want, and I'll come back and get Malachi once I get myself established. What was you going to become a 
a Hollywood actress or something? Oh, no. It was just I was talking I mean, you to went a... to California. I know, but I was talking to a guy who was grooming me. I didn't realize uh, it at the time. And so... Groomers. Yeah, and so um, I left, got to California, got with the guy, and, like, after a week, my money ran out. So, oh, no, he didn't say goodbye. He took me on a drive. Oh, no. And on this drive, explained that he was a pimp. He was picking up these girls that were his prostitutes, whole nine yards, and uh, got me into that. Very traumatizing because, you know, people don't understand when people groom you into uh, sex traffic. They get to learn who you are during the grooming stages what makes you tick what is bothering you what hurts you your current situation your past situation they make themselves very trustworthy to the point where you're like this person is down for me this person's going to have my back this you know we're going to do great things together and you know this guy was living with his mother i didn't know you know i thought his mother was living with him and um you know i thought he had a job and he didn't and well, so he did. no i wouldn't say that i he was pimping girls but that's not a job that's not a job at all you're just you're yeah. manipulating yeah. minds to do what you want them to do yeah. and and that manipulation starts off okay but then it turns into abuse it turns into um monitoring how someone eats or doesn't eat it what you're wearing, what you're wearing you're when you go to sleep sleep deprivation um you know control of your money control of everything and as someone that's been groomed you you just want to make this person happy but at the same time you're dying inside because you don't know how you got there and they get you to a point where you have nobody so this man so i you have no money i have so no money that, my, i've run away from home so my that, at that point you may have been saying i just want to go back to malachi mm-hmm. i just want to go back to mom Yep, but then in the you same can. token, my parents are going to take me back because I've left. Oh, they were. I, I, at the time, though, I didn't yeah, know that. No, I wasn't. You. Exactly. To think that I ran away and they weren't going to want me. No. And, yeah. you know, they're going to sit here and say all this stuff. So, and then, but you're also being beaten, abused verbally, mentally, and physically. I mean, the guy almost threw me out of a car going 100 on the highway. So even if I had the money to leave, I was too scared to because this guy's going to kill me. Yeah, where are you going to go? Yeah. Yeah, so I was in that for three months every day. Um, Got arrested a few times for it. You know, never snitched on him or whatever the case may be. But I saw that realm. I saw how women got involved in drugs. I think that everybody has pain that they're trying to hide. Right. And mask. Yes. And as fucked up as it was to be in that lifestyle to deal with the people that I was dealing with, you got to think everybody has had some sort of trauma in their life yes, with, they where they yes. they don't know how to deal with it, right? So and let's. They just don't say right. It. So the guy that groomed me, right? What, what did he go through? Was he sexually assaulted? Did he even have a father? 
did his mother use and abuse him so he learned how to do to treat do you see what i'm saying i i understand like us as a human race we want to find a reason to blame and and tear people down and say you're a shit bag for grooming women and you're but how did they get to that place how do you get to the root of the problem right their root of their problem had nothing to fucking do with me I just I just crossed paths with these human beings and was was dealing with my own shit and my own trauma that I you know what I mean like I and I I think that's the difference between me and a lot of people is that I don't as much as there's so much hate in this fucking world going on and going around and and as sad as it is to know that there's still human trafficking going on it's it's horrible and it's sad and it does make me angry to think that girls are still being trafficked kids are still being trafficked you know being groomed it's like i feel like it's just society is fucked up and and the root cause oops <laughs> but the root cause of it i feel like has a lot to do with the way that this country and this world is society is how society how society pushes away those problem kids and go oh they're just a problem but then look what if, look what the, of the type of person that you've created because you did not try to help them when they were i love you so much tina for telling your story because i the whole reason i wanted to do this podcast was for women to hear other women's stories and maybe we can find a way to be stronger together. Oh, yeah. I think that that's what women need. Women need to understand that you're not alone. You're not the only one that has been through this. And you shouldn't remain silent. Because when you remain silent, you remain a captive to your past. I think that's why I can't be mad at anybody for, you know what I mean? I've, I'm, I've dealt with... I've always been mad at pimps. I don't know. You know I, for put, me, you put it into a different light for me. For me, that, yeah. For but for and me, I totally understand that. Yeah, but for me, I put I put myself in that predicament too. Instead of going to who, my, who would have helped you at 18, 19 years of old? Uh, girl, I had girl. I had my god. I had my godfather. I had my mother. But I chose not to turn to the people I that wanted that. to help me. I get that. But once you got halfway across. Oh yeah, then I had nobody. You had nobody. Yeah, exactly. Who would who once you went there and you got there and you got groomed there? Oh yeah. Who could you have turned to for oh, help? Oh, nobody. Well, and I mean, after I got at out, your I turned age, at yeah. eighteen and nineteen. I wouldn't know who to turn to. Well, see, and what's crazy is I turned to the church. I went to. I looked up homeless shelters. The, you know, the only reason why I got out of that is I remember sitting in the car and we were driving to the stroll is what they call it and i remember okay we're in Cali- california we're in california right now and you're getting out yeah we're getting i'm i'm with a, i'm with a different pimp at this time oh okay and so i remember we were he was driving us to the stroll and i remember hearing a voice going if you do not get out and get out you soon you're going to die yeah because around the time that i was in 2004 we were hearing stories about girls being kidnapped and chopped up, being thrown out of the car, you know, like just not unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I also remember calling my mom and cussing her out and telling her, you know, you're trying to keep my kid. You won't let me have my kid, you. And I'm calling her every name in the book. I've never once ever disrespected my mother verbally. And I had that day. Were you on? No, I wasn't on anything. Did, did you ever get on anything? I smoked weed, but, but I did nothing ever because I saw how it affected other girls. And I was like. Nine. Hell no. Oh, yeah. Nope. Mm -mm, don't know. You want to give me what? You want me to have a drink? No, I mean, I'm, I'm good. I'll go to 7 well, Eleven. Most of the girls went to the hard drugs, from what I understand. Yes. Just so that they, they could, could cope. cope. It was a coping mechanism. Or. Had. Or you so, have the pimps that who have unruly girls who would force them to do it, and then they would get addicted right away, and yeah, then you yeah. don't have a problem anymore. Yeah, they're just right. So, so how did you escape that and still be able to? So do? the day that I heard that, I was like, "How the fuck am I going to get out?" And I remember waking. I remember finishing the night, going back to the hotel, and um, being raped by my pimp and the girls. And I remember thinking, if I don't fucking get out of this shit, I'm going to die. I'm not watched. And the only time that I turn um, turn my money in is at the end of the night. So I'm going to work enough. I'm not going to go back to him. I'm just going to tell him that I'm still working. And I'm going to work enough until I have enough money to take a taxi wherever it can take me. So that night I made, I think, like $500. And... Um, I told him I had one more John, and as soon as I was done, then I would tell him where I was. And I ended up calling a taxi, and we were in Orange County, and I took the taxi all the way to L.A. And just had the taxi drop me off at the bus station. And I wandered the streets for like 48 hours. And some random person, like by the grace of God or whatever was like, hey, like, are you homeless? And I was like, I'm just trying to find a place to stay so I can figure out my next move. Like, this is my situation. This lady let me in her home. I stayed there for like three days. And she was like, you can't stay here long. You need to find a homeless shelter or something. And I was like, I don't want to go to a homeless shelter. I don't care, but I'm just giving you a place to stay for yeah. now. And I found this place called the Dream Center. Like, I called a bunch of places. They didn't have any room. But the Dream Center had room what is the dream center is it, it was a or is it just they have they have uh a, several places around the united states but basically the um the dream center was like a church that helped broken people so homeless they'd feed the homeless they'd clothe the homeless they helped people like myself or whatever who wanted to get off drugs and change their life around for god and they would let you stay there and you'd, you'd have a year. And they would have you read the Bible, go to church, help the community by picking up trash or whatever. So you did that? Oh, yeah. Yep. Every day I was there for three years. After three years, I started working with one of the pastors and um, doing like office work and, you know, just little stuff like that. So how old is Malachi at this time? Malachi is like between the age of two and five. Still with my parents. Mm -hmm. I'm writing my mother letters every day, you know, apologizing, telling her what I'm doing, telling her, you know, my dreams and my goals, um, being involved in the church, like all of that. And I mean, I will say this. I don't go to church anymore. And part of the reason why is I feel like the church is very judgmental and they are very controlling. If you don't 
if you have sex outside of marriage, you're going to go to hell. So you, you need to, you need Jesus in your There's life no to forgive redemption. your sin. No, the only redemption is, is you do it our way and then you go to heaven. It doesn't matter. They've already branded. I've, I've been down that path. Yeah. I'm with you, sister. Yeah. Because I've been down that path. There is no redemption. I mean, they want you to come in and tithe. They want you to come in and pray. They want you to come in and donate your time for this cause or that cause. But there is no real redemption for somebody who, in their eyes, have sinned beyond. Well, I think certain churches are like that. The church that I went to, there was redemption, but you always felt like you had to get redeemed every time you were at service. If you feel this message and you heard and you blah, 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 come down to the altar and ask for, you know, and for me, this is how I feel. So I was I was in church my all my life. I was with that church for a very long time. I even moved to um, to Oklahoma and joined a dance team, but was asked to leave because um, I got into a romantic relationship with another student. Like not student as like underage, but it was like we were all eighteen and over. So, but because I had a romantic involvement with someone, I was asked to leave because it broke the rules and it went against God. And even after I moved from there to Virginia. So wait a minute. You let you went to L.A. I was in L.A. for five years. And you went to the church. Mm-hmm. That was part of the church community. And then how did you get to Oklahoma? Uh, so I had a job with this company called Yummy where they delivered groceries and stuff. I was a, a live-in nanny for one of the church members who had taken custody of her granddaughter or was helping with her granddaughter. And she was like, if you need, you want a place to stay? Because I was like, I don't want to yeah. be here at this church. Like, I really feel like I I don't have a way to start. And she was like, well, if you want to be a live-in nanny, that I'll pay you. And so I did that and had the job on the side. One, in California, they had just passed a law that you couldn't, talk on your phone and drive at the same time oh, no yeah. talking and texting or you get a ticket you did it and i i picked up my phone and Girl. answered a call in the company car a uh you know a customer saw called the company mind you they were trying to give me a promotion and because the c- customer called and said i was on my phone um they were like we have to let you go i was like i literally was just talking on my phone they were like the law just passed and you broke a broke a law and that could get us in trouble and blah 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 so i remember going back to the pastors that i was um that i worked for and he was like spin the globe i want you to spin this globe and wherever your finger lands like if you can't figure out what you want to do and i put dropped my finger down and it landed on oklahoma where this group had come to visit our church several times and they were a dance team, and um, he was, and I was like, what I know, dance team? The, like they. So if you ever see like um, assemblies at school where they have like a group of kids or or whatever, and they're teaching them a message about like say no to drugs, you know, oh, yeah. crack is whack. That kind of was what we were. And then like on the weekend or that Sunday, we would invite them to church and you know whatever. So that's what they did. And so that's how I found out about the group. And I had known about the group since I'd been in um, with this church. And I always wanted to do it because I like dancing. And so went to my pastors, you know, they prayed over me. And they were like, spin the globe. And my finger landed directly on Oklahoma. And I was like, okay, that's God saying that's where I'm supposed to go. Because remember, I'm still heavy in church. And okay, Jesus is saying this is where I need to be. So, um, well, you know, Jesus is good, but, you know, yeah. I right. So went to that, um, I had money, sold my car, got a bus ticket, and took the ride there and joined. 
So, um, but because after like a year of them, so I did it for a year. My next year got involved with another student. They didn't like that, said that's against our rules and against what we're, what we believe and we're teaching. You have to leave. So again, rejected again by people that I thought would have my back or, or even just understood. And then, How so. How old were you? Uh, probably was like 24, oh 25. Lord, the hormones are bouncing oh, yeah. off the wall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So get there. That happens like a year and a half. I go to Virginia. So when you get in trouble for infractions mm-hmm. at the church, what happens to the infractioner? Oh, he got to stay. I had to go. He got to stay. Why? I was a second year. He was a first year. I knew better. So I'm now the one that's corrupting someone else. I had to go. Right. So um, the only reason why I went to Virginia is the guy that I was involved with had How family in Virginia. Virginia. Bus. They they were like, oh, we'll, they kicked you out. Yeah, they kicked me out and were like, we'll pay for a bus wherever you want to go. I called my mom. She's like, no, you can't come here. You <laughs> like, yeah, my mom was very protective of her domain, which is understandable. Um, but what about Malachi? I mean, they had Malachi. She, you know, she didn't want me to disrupt, you know what I mean? Which I understood. I didn't, you know, I I was hurt, but at the same time I understood. Like, you guys have a routine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come wreck the routine mm-hmm. and it make, you know. So got to California, or to Virginia and, you know, started to piece my life together little by little. So I tried doing church again, and I realized this about church, is that the God that they tell you about is the only, the redeeming God, or you go to brim and fire and hell, right? And um, for me, everything that I've experienced in my life, we all are supposed to be in hell then, if that's the case. We're supposed to ask for forgiveness every day. We sin all the time. Thoughts, actions, words, everything. We are in hell? Say that again. <laughs> I said we all belong in hell. If, if we're we going against... We belong there? Or we yeah, we're all, there. We're all, we all belong there. If, if we're going off of what Christians are saying and teaching, the whole Christianity, whether it's you're a Baptist, some Catholic... Some people think that they... Some people think they that they are redeeming themselves every day. So we're on we're on religion, which so that's a whole new podcast. All oh yeah, stuff. I will. This is what I'll say that I learned for myself because I've I've been friends with people who are a part of the LGBTQ plus community, um, whites, Hispanic, all races, all ethnicities, all genders um any person that you could think of i've met encountered and been friends with i've been a part of the non-denominational church the baptist church i've gone to catholic church i've studied religion in college this is how i feel about it i feel like religion if it's not used the right way is a manipulation tactic that's how I feel. I also learned that the Bible that we all love and is the number one bestseller in the world was manipulated and things were taken out and put in to accommodate those that did it. So for me, 
I am a believer of God. I'm a believer of Jesus, Holy Spirit, all of that. I, I am I am a believer. But here's so the deal. I, I feel like this. Um, people use Christianity to um, push their own agenda. And so when you have people that say, um, you're gay, if you don't change your ways, you're going to hell, God doesn't love... How can anybody say that about someone that created us all? And we're all supposed to be coming from him. Okay, I'm going to just throw some personal shit. Oh, yeah, go ahead. My mother was Catholic. Mm -hmm. My father's Baptist, mm -hmm. oil and water right there. Mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. saying it right yeah. there. And so um, my grandmother, which is my father's mother, he she would tell me, I was probably three, four, five years of age, she'd say, I feel so sorry for you. You're going to burn in hell because you don't go to our church. Uh -huh. And I would go running home to mom yep. crying. I'm yep. like, oh my God, what does she mean I'm going to burn? Yeah. What is this hell thing? Yeah. And my mom would say, oh no, don't, don't, don't. Uh -huh. But I mean, that's what they preach. And they, to this day, preach that. Exactly. Just like when I was getting it's in trouble like in Nebraska, my grandmother sent me the books of hell. Why are you doing that? I've never heard of this. Oh, yeah. Hell. There's someone that has said, and not to say that I don't believe them, but they said that they that God took them out of their body at, you know, when they were sleeping and took them through the, the body of hell. And they described every single body part. And But for me, I'm not saying that hell's not real. I'm not saying that heaven's not real. I believe in it all. But I also believe this, that... It's we being cannot, manipulated. It's, been, it's being manipulated to control, to control certain people. It's capitalism, in, in I, my opinion. And I that's how I feel. I feel but, like it's it there are certain people that have the right right heart behind it and are doing it the right way, but I also feel like they're using it for their own gain and they're using it to manipulate people into feeling the Holy Spirit or doing all these things when if you read the Bible that we have now, that's not what Jesus was talking about yeah. at all. You know what I was thinking when I was driving over here because I live an hour away and I was thinking, I thought, everybody keeps talking about the second coming of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... He was supposed to come in 2000. He was supposed to come in... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We all know Jesus wasn't white. Right. He did not have blue eyes. Right. Or blonde right. highlights in his hair. Right. We know that. Right. Really, we know that. But even in but even in black churches, it was not taught that that's who he was. Okay, but listen. So I'm thinking as I'm driving over here, I'm thinking, if Jesus is coming back for the second coming, he's not coming to America. <laughs> he's coming to where his where he was born in his land. He's not. So all of the this is what I'm just the, I'm mm -hmm. just gonna put this out there, and then we got to get back to yeah 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 yeah. But I, I'm, I'm just thinking, he's not coming back to the United States of America. I'm sorry. He's yeah. coming back to the land where he was born, mm -hmm. raised, and did his business. Where right. He sat down with the tax people, and he sat down with the prostitutes, mm -hmm. and he healed and cured the lepers and the blind. Yeah. That's where he's going. He's yeah. not coming to the United States of America. Right. But that's not what our church is. Preach. Right, exactly. But anyway, but yeah. So you got to Virginia. So I got to Virginia after dealing with being turned away from church. 
you know, I moved in with the guy that I was talking with, his family, and they housed me and very gracious people and, you know, helped me get a job and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so I met someone during one of those jobs, dated him for, oh God, four, four years. Um, and the only reason why we broke up is just for me, I had in my mind, I'm not going to be a forever girlfriend. But at that time too, my mom saw, oh, she's stable. Okay, well, we'll give her back Malachi. Wow. So I got Malachi back when he was like eight. Oh my. And traumatic to him. Right. You've lived with my family, been raised by them for eight, seven, eight years. And now you're coming with me. And we talked all the time. Because wasn't it kind of like you when you were six, when Mm -hmm. you got the new stepdad, Mm -hmm. six to eight? Mm -hmm. Um, I also dealt with a lot of stuff from Malachi because of that transition because it wasn't a transition it was just like okay he's gonna come live with you because you know we we have to be stationed in korea which i still in the military they at this time yeah so they were both being stationed in korea for a very short stint but um they wanted him to come with me my mom felt like i was more stable and for me i was like okay this is great i'm gonna get my son back and we're just gonna start fresh and you know but not realizing that I he was just ripped away from the family that he knew. Yeah. I would call and he knew me as mom, but he didn't know me as mom, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. So hey, it does to me. Right. So you have someone that says they're your mother, but you've been raised by this other person that you consider your mom, and now you're being ripped away from her to be sent with got- small thing my son has ADHD, ODD, severe dealt with severe depression. Uh huh. For a long time since he was born. So he had a lot of stuff going on too. So that was very hard to navigate through with him. A lot of, okay, raising an eight-year-old, getting him to get through preteen and teen, it was just, we won't even discuss that. Let's just say it was very difficult. We will say that. It was very difficult. Where's Malachi now? Malachi's in Texas, graduated high school, and is looking at joining the Marines. So he's doing really good for himself right now. He's with my brother. His personal choice, we're just going to support him in his decision. Yeah, so they're doing, he's doing good. So, uh, but yeah, got him, broke up with the guy that I was with, great guy, but again, in my mind, I had a, something that I wanted and I was not going to be getting that from this guy. Um, so, started my journey as a single mother trying to navigate i gotta take care of this kid i gotta find this place to stay i have to get a better job and at the time when i was with the guy i wasn't working i was a stay-at-home mom and he was taking care of us so um i started working at um, a bar for my previous boss who owned uh one of the companies that i worked for and uh so started that journey of finding a place to stay getting my son in school getting in a new relationship um, and having a Malachi deal with not only, okay, I just moved with her, but we've moved again and now we're moving again and now she's with someone new. So he's dealing with a lot of stuff and trying to navigate and me not really understanding, but trying to be understanding was a joke. I I just, I was kind of like that mom that was like, do as I say. No, I do. Right. Um, and so that relationship ended after two years. And then you met your- I met my ex-husband. Uh, we had known each other for a while. We ended up getting back together. I got pregnant with our two beautiful children. But that relationship ended because he was a cheater. 
um, and did a lot of lying and um, mental and at times would extend to physical abuse. For me, it was initially it was a red flag and I broke up with him, but then I got pregnant with Blair. So again, here comes that Christian mindset. Well, maybe this is God's sign saying we meant to be together. So we got back together. The cheating didn't stop. It That was a very hard time. I realized that I was staying in the relationship for several reasons. One, because of the kids. Two, because I cared about what people thought versus myself and my own mental health. And um, three, uh, Christian vows. I Till oh, death do us part, do part, for better, yeah, for worse. Yeah, that, and so in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, I'm supposed to stay for better. I made this vow to God before God. I'm going to, you know what I mean? And so, but I mean, again, we're all at fault. Nobody is perfect. So therein lies why I said earlier, then we all belong in hell because we all fall short. But again, the Bible says that Christ died for our sins because we all for, fall short of the glory of God. But then you have people that have stories that feel like they're weak because they're staying with a man that... They're scared. Are, right, but you're not... The, if anything, you're actually that much stronger for staying. What you're lacking is the strength to put to move forward from it. And even when I separated from my ex-husband after the last time that he cheated, I felt like... I wanted to die. I wanted to kill myself, but I couldn't kill myself. After everything you've been through. Oh, yeah. Because, after everything. Uh, right. But I also had I children. I had children. So it's like, but I couldn't kill myself because my kids needed me. But at the same time, they had him. You know, it just a lot of a lot of self-hate that I was dealing with. A lot of like, why did I allow this to happen to me? Why did I put myself through this again? I should know better. I've been through so much. Why would I? And... Again, it goes back to that people-pleasing, goes back to that seeking love, it goes back to the lack of love for self. Hey, so Tina spent a valuable hour out of her weekend to share her experiences, and we had to abruptly end our interview. She is a mom of a grown son, as well as two young children. Hopefully we can get together and just record a podcast about the crazy wild stuff we talk about when we run into each other during our hectic day jobs. Thank you, Tina. You're awesome. And remember, listeners, you can reach out to me at comingoutofthekitchenpod at gmail.com with any and all of your questions, comments, or requests for an interview. Until next time, stand like the superheroes y'all are. Have a great day.